Come on in, welcome. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We do, we do things a lot different a lot of times. We always come in this place and uh, the worship team is up here and going to fire it up, but I felt the Lord uh, gave me some different direction this morning because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you some about prayer and worship. And, uh, and so I wanted to do that first so that when we got in the flow of this, you, you'd, you'd have a revelation of what, what it is we're doing. How many, of you, how many of you love to come into the house of God and worship? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, what it's, that's what the house of God is all about. But a lot of times I think what we, we need to understand is that in coming into the house and, uh, you know, in coming to worship, what we need to understand is the, the biblical basis behind it. And so uh, I'm looking for the clicker, guys. Is it my little clicker over there, Julie? So if um, when we find that, we'll get to it. So if you have a Bible, if you have the Bible app, this should be, if you go on your phone, let's see if it's on here. I love the Bible app. How many of you read the Bible from the Bible app? How many of you pretend you're reading the Bible and you're actually on Facebook? It's time to confess. There's an honest man right there. Yeah, we're on there and the live events on the Bible app. And um, there's announcements. I think there's even an insert with these notes on it. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and we're just going to... Father, we just uh, thank you. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to take full charge of this worship experience this morning. Holy Spirit, speak through me today. I ask you to Help me to speak your thoughts, not mine, and to share the revelation of your word, and that it impact people in a powerful way today for transformation, and gives real substance to what it is we're doing and what we're up to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you go to slide one, did we find it? All right, so go to slide one there. We'll just, and uh, I want to just review over the uh, four purposes that we have, we set out, and this is the fourth and final part of this thing, and it's just, it's just amazing to me how this flows in with all that God is doing, and I want to share with you some of that as well, too. But it, one of the four purposes, number one, is to host the presence of God and, and encounter Him together. So, you know, the church is here as a, the temple of God, and the temple of God is where God dwells, and you and I are the temple, and so we're hosting the presence of God. And, and Paul in Ephesians, this is a powerful passage, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but he, he uses the word together several times, and how that the church is all about coming to God and experiencing God together. And... Um, and so, yes, it's a, it's a very personal thing to encounter God, but it always leads to a corporate expression. You with me? All right. Then number two, it's to create an atmosphere for God's work in people's lives. The church is here to, 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 to create an atmosphere of heaven. You know, that, that we're, Jesus taught us to pray that not our will would be done, but that his kingdom would come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way that's done is by the church bringing heaven to this earth. Much of the church, though, is, is focused on going to heaven when they die. God's trying to get the church to bring heaven to earth while we're alive. 
And so Ephesians 1, 22, 23 talks about that and how that, that God dwells in his people and that there's an atmosphere for that. You know, I've been like, I've been like really reaching for this. Really intentionally, like, God, I know you're present. I'm going to walk in this place. God, I pray that when I walk in this place, you know, I walked into a restaurant the other day, and before I walked in, I said, God, I'm carrying you and your presence. Help me to make a difference in somebody's life today. It's just amazing how God just begins to work when you create and realize you can change an atmosphere. Do You know, you as a believer can walk into a situation and change it because of the God that lives in you. Number three, I'm moving quick. To demonstrate our love for God through service to people. And this is the one we talked about in love and how our love is, is, is the visible evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Because the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in your hearts by love. And so, you know, you can talk in tongues till, till you're blue in the face, but it's not the, not the only evidence the, it's not the all, only evidence. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is not just a manifestation of tongues. It's love. And if you're talking in tongues and not walking in love, you need to meet the Holy Spirit. All right, moving right along. I'm not discouraging you from tongue talking. I'm encouraging you to be love walking, tongue talking, Bible thumping, pew jumping. Hallelujah. This is so weird to do it like this, isn't it? This is weird. Most people say, you know, you can't really preach until you get, until you get God moving. I brought God in with me. God was moving before I ever set foot up here. God's been brooding over this all week and brooding over you and brooding over this church. And, and so what we're about to do in a, in a few minutes, what we're about to do as we enter into the presence of God is going to have an entirely new meaning for you because now I want to talk to you about number four. Number four is to equip and resource believers in their service to God and to people. You, let me say that again, to equip and resource believers in their service to God and to people. And what we do, we call that ministry. And, 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 and it's a common word, you know, ministry. And so if you're involved in a ministry, how many of you are involved in a ministry here at this church? You know, and how many of you are, how many of you are called to the ministry? Every hand should be going up right now. I'm going to show you that. Go to Ephesians with me. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And I want to show you why this is important. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in the first verse, we're going to explain number four here. And I'm going to move really quickly so you want to stay with me and write these verses down. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Who was he talking to here? The church at Ephesus. Not just the pastor, he was talking to the church. If you back up in Ephesians 1, he's talking to the saints. He's talking to all the, and he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Now listen to this. The word worthy here means equal weight and balance. And, I, and again, this is, this is, again, something God has just been, been just pouring into my heart and renewing and reviving within me. Listen, the word worthy means equal weight and balance. Your calling should be in balance or equal weight with your walk. In other words, there's two aspects of this. It's your calling, your ministry, and your life. And your life should complement your calling, and your calling should align up with your life. And if you have a ministry and you're not walking it out in your everyday life, then you need to have a little talk with Jesus. Because God's not impressed with our ministries. He's impressed with us. And he's not just trying to give you a work to do. He's trying to give you an identity and, and, and someone to become. Become. 
And so the equal balance, you know, some places it's all about ministry and some people it's all about my ministry. And what I've, I've come into terms with is like, Lord, I'm done with my ministry. Lord, I want your ministry. And I want to I live a life that's in agreement with it. I don't want to just stand up here on Sundays and tout and spout. I want to walk and talk on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's, and that's the power of God. And listen, when you get these in agreement, there's a powerful, there's a powerful uh, uh, thing that happens when your walk and your calling are in agreement. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, go on. In, in um, verse 4 it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So here's the two aspects of our calling. He puts it right there. It's the body, which is the, what is the body of Christ? It's the church. So there's the body of Christ, which is the church, and then there is one spirit who we learned last Sunday night in our class with Pastor Robert Morris that the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's he is God. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So there's one body, there's the body aspect of our ministry, and then there's the spirit aspect of our ministry. So there's two parts to ministry where we minister to the body and then we minister to God. Are you with me? But our emphasis is primarily on body. It's all about what we do for God. It's how we, how we minister to people. Go to the next slide, please. But to each one of us, this is verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given. The word grace there is the word charis, which is the same root word for gift. Grace is a gift. Say amen, somebody. Are you with me? Grace is the gift. And, and charis, you know, charismatics are, are people who focus on the gifts. When I got saved, I thought charismatic was an automatic transmission. And then I realized they're talking about something different. I, I'm not, and, and, and so I understand, but to now, but to each one of us, a gift was given. Let's just insert that word, a gift was given. How many of you received a gift when you came into Christ? It says here, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every one of you have been given a gift to minister Every one of you have been given grace, a grace gift. Every one of you are called to minister. And let me tell you, I want to release you as a pastor to flow in your gift. This is not about all y'all come and watch me operate in a gift on Sunday. Because that is not what the church is about, but that's what we've made it. We've made it where People come and watch one man function in his gift. But the church and what the Holy Spirit is trying to do now and today in our day, he's activating calling and in quickening the church to come alive to their calling, their gift. And now we're going to stand and all of us are going to function in our gift. That was weak. I don't know, y'all... Woo. According to the measure of Christ's gift. This is the beauty of the body. There's a unity, but there's also a diversity. All of our gifts differ. What if we all had the same gift? Wouldn't that be boring? Man, I love to see people operate in their gifts and their callings. To me, it represents the, the diversity of the body. And I can't do what you do and... Maybe you can't do what I do. Maybe you're not called to what I am. But here's what you are, verse 9, that he might fill all things. When you step out to operate in your gift, guess what happens? God gets in that. Let me say it again. God gets in it. You want to get God active in your life? 
then get flowing in your calling. Many of you are sitting down on your calling. Many of you have sat back because you're like, well, they're doing this and he's doing that and she's doing this. There's really no place for me. And I'm telling you, that is a completely bogus thought. Because what it does is takes you out of the opportunity for God to fill you. Because let me tell you something, God only fills empty people. And the only empty people I know are the ones who keep pouring themselves out. That's a good word right there. You wonder, why am I so empty? That pastor ain't feed me. You know what? It ain't the pastor's fault. You just ain't emptying yourself out. And if you came empty and you came hungry and you came thirsty and you came desperate and you came open, God would meet you in that place. Hallelujah. You don't need a new pastor. You need a new heart. You ever notice when you're empty how nobody does anything right? You, you know, married couples notice when you're out of sync how they ain't nothing they do pleases you. Uh, your wife cooks you a big meal, functions in her gift, and you're like, you burned it. It's not done enough. Something's missing. You ungrateful little thing, you. He fills all things. What does he fill? He fills empty vessels. Empty vessels. And empty vessels just keep pouring. You know, the, you know the healthiest people I know are the ones who just keep pouring themselves out. You know who the neediest people I know? The people who never do nothing. Well, moving right along. Verse 11. No. Yeah, you are hosting the presence of God. You see that? So he fills all things. As you keep pouring yourself out, he fills you. And what's, he, what's happening is he's filling you with himself. And that's how we go back to point one. You're just hosting the presence of God. There's a refreshing that comes in that. There's a refreshing when you keep pouring yourself out. And I'm not talking about being, being dumb about it. Because I'm going to show you what, see, this is, because some of you are thinking, man, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know if I can bring anything else into my life. I'm going to show you why this is important. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That's what we call the fivefold gifts. And God sets these fivefold gifts in the church. Not everyone's an apostle, not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone's an evangelist in this sense. Everyone's supposed to share the gospel. Everyone can prophesy, but that doesn't make you a prophet. Some of you have a caring and a shepherd's heart. That does not make you a pastor. These are offices that God has set in the church. And when these fivefold things are functioning, notice what it says in verse 12. Here we go. What is the function? What is the function of this fivefold ministry? For the equipping of the saints. So the fivefold ministry is here to equip the saints. Now, when I was young and I was getting started in ministry, the way I read this verse is that the fivefold ministry, because I, I, I knew I was called to, to, to this ministry, this fivefold thing. And when I started putting myself toward that process, my idea of the ministry was that I was going to equip the saints, I was going to do the work of ministry, and that I was going to edify the body of Christ. You get that? You see that there? That's how I read that verse. That, the, that I was going to equip the saints, I was going to work the ministry, and I was going to edify the body of Christ. But you know how that really reads in the, in the, in the language it was written in? That pastors, evangelists, prophets, the fivefold ministry, equips the saints so that the saints work the ministry. The saints work the ministry. 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And when the saints fulfill the ministry, the body is built up. Y'all know, y'all those present mentality that says it's the pastor's job is killing pastors. You know, pastors are resigning today at a rate of 2,000 a month. Do you know 90% of pastors who enter the ministry never retire in the ministry? They leave and they're doing something else before they get to retirement. Something is amiss if we think that pastors, and, and, and for some reason there's a five-fold ministry there, I understand that, but pastors seem to be the focus of the church today, although I'm glad that there is an understanding that God is bringing back the five-fold ministry, and, that the, and, the, and, and the five-fold ministry needs to come to the realization that, that our call is not to do it all. I'm teaching you now because, see, what I want to do is equip you for ministry. God told me, give him this first. And I'm like, but that's not how we do that around here. No, I'm, I mean, I'm having this discussion with God. I'm like, God, this is not how we do this. He goes, I don't care how you do this. You've been doing this wrong for a long time. And I'm like, it's, it's really hard to argue with God. But I'm like, but God, this is, this is, what, this is what it is. But he's telling us. This is not what it shall be. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And so listen to this. I've got to move along here because we're going to get to this. It's going to get good. You're going to be glad, that I, you're going to be glad in a minute because you're like, oh, what the, what, what, what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, a complete man, a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Go to the next slide, please. Here's God's heart in the process. The ministry is not for an elect few, but for the entire body. All of you are called to ministry. I call all of you to your holy calling. I call all of you off of your seat and into God's heart and into God's purpose for your life. I call you to come together, that we stand together and we reflect the body as it's supposed to be because the body, we need each other. How can the hand say, I don't need you? I'm telling you, we need each other. And here's what he says. Here's... The, to the degree the body responds in obedience to this call is the degree of health, the edifying of the body. To the degree the body responds in obedience, that's how healthy the body is. Number three, hidden within that obedience is the revelation of Christ, unity and knowledge. The revelation comes as you obey God. God begins to show you your, the, the, the riches of who he is and you grow in this knowledge, grow in this unity, and then that re it's released in that revelation, and what happens is you grow up. There's just too many babies around here. There's too much whining going on. There's too much crying. There, I said it. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. But it's, it's true of the church in general. And what God's trying to do is grow the church up. Can you say amen? amen? What God's trying to do is give you some maturity. What God's trying to do is give you some consistency. You know what immaturity is? Like you're up and you're down. You're excited, you're depressed. Immaturity is you're in, you're out. But maturity is I'm here and I'm here for the long haul. Next one please. What is ministry? So here's, here's where I've said all that. I, that's my introduction. <laughs> You're like, oh God, help us, Jesus. What is ministry? Now listen to this, because I know in our minds, as you're sitting here today, you're thinking of ministry as what you do for God. I submit to you today that ministry is to equip and resource believers in their service to God and to people. 
This too requires balance. The first and most important aspect of any ministry is our ministry to God. Our concept of ministry is what we do for God. But God's concept of ministry is what we do with God. God, let the revelation just settle in. Turn with me to the next slide, please. Ephesians 6. I'm going to run through these verses quickly. And then we're going to minister here this morning. Every one of us are going to minister here this morning. Every one of us are going to minister this morning. I'm calling every one of us to minister this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit will put his fire in you that you cannot sit still this morning, that you have to minister this morning. You are compelled. There's a, even if you came in here like, I, I, I only came because she drugged me here, and I don't want to be here, and I don't know why I'm here, and I just read somebody's thoughts right now. And, and so don't freak out because that's what you call a gift of right. word of knowledge. Yeah. But I'm telling you, as the Holy Spirit sits down on you, he will change your heart, yeah. and you will go from being a mad reluctant, a tender, to a happy, surrendered minister, and you will leave different today because you came not to this church, but because you came into the presence of God. Now listen to me, Ephesians 6.18 Paul writes, this is the, man, this is the powerful chapter, you know, where he's talking about warfare and armor and all of this stuff. How many of you are glad that we have an armor? How many of you put your armor on when you get up in the morning? God, I put on this breastplate. All that stuff represents Jesus and his work in your life. Then Paul sums this all up, and here's what he says in verse 18. Praying always. Everybody says, I'm always praying. Uh, we're always praying. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit... Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, I'm going to give you this this really quick because a lot of people think what prayer is and what it actually is is two different things. A lot of people for prayer that's just simply giving God your request. But the word prayer comes from a Greek word, and I can't even pronounce it, prosukamai, something on that order. I'm mispronouncing it, I'm sure. Uh, that's the English pronunciation, and if we pronounce it in Greek, it sounds entirely different. But it actually means to worship. When, pa- when Paul said praying always, the prosukamai comes from a, two com- a compound word, pros, which means toward, unto, within, motion towards, and yukamai means to wish for God. And what, what real prayer is, I'm coming into the presence of God because my desire, my wish is for God. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a fix where you said, I wish, I wish, I wish. And you said, you know, Here, here's what I wish. I wish this, I wish that. And, and what, what he's talking about here is that when we actually come together and we come into this place of prayer or we come to the place where we're co- going to call on the Lord, what we're actually doing is we're making this motion toward God because our prayer isn't, God, would you just do this? It's, God, would you just come right here? God, would you occupy this right here? Would you come in your presence right now, praying always with all prayer? There's all kinds of ways that you, you function in this worship, and there's different types of prayer in, in, that are connected to worship and supplication. Everybody say, and uh, supplication. Turn, turn to the next uh, slide, please. Supplication comes from the, the, the he, he says actually supplication in the spirit. The word supplication is a Greek word that's desis. It means to bind to. And what it, what it represents is supplication, again, is how you bind yourself to him. Not just your needs, your supplication is, Lord, I'm bringing myself to you. See, we came this morning to bring ourselves to him. We came in this sanctuary, I hope you came for this reason, to present yourselves to him. Hope you didn't come for me because you'll be disappointed. I hope you didn't come for somebody else. I hope you came to enter into him. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
Supplication means I'm binding myself to him. I'm tying myself to him. Lord, I'm here for you today. It's an intentional thing. If you're here for any other reason, things will distract you. What are these knuckleheads doing in front of me? Man, I can't hardly worship for what they're doing. Well, you got to bind yourself to God. And if you have to, change seats. Because I'm not letting nobody get in the way of my worship of God. I'm not letting anybody going to distract me from what I came here to do today. I came here to present myself to God, and I'm not going to let anybody get between me and him. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to let somebody's... I'm not going to let anybody get in that way. That's why I sit in the front. That's why a lot of the time you see me and my eyes are closed. I can come to see you. And much of what y'all do is distracting. So why would I look at you? I'm looking to him. I'm tied to him. When I come, my prayer, my supplication is to him. You ever went to church and just looked at people and left like really mad? If you haven't, then bless you. He says, watching thereunto. That word watching means to be sleepless. That means you're going to be awake. I'm watching. I'm not letting the devil distract me. I'm watchful of his distractions. The devil's greatest tool, church, is distraction. Many people can't get through to God simply because they're distracted. Many people are praying, saying, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this. But you're not focused on him and you're, distra- you're praying even while you're distracted. Watching there too, with all perseverance, that means to be constantly diligent to exercise, <laughs> Let's, you know, calisthenics. That's why it's good to raise your hands. Why do, people, why do people think that when you come to church, holiness is being sitting like a wooden Indian? When, when the Bible talks about the expression of worship being that when you tie yourself to God, the expression of that comes in many forms. Lift your hands, O ye people. Lift up your voice. Sing to the Lord a new song. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Dance unto the Lord with all your might. Come on, church. What do you call that? What do you call that? That's called worship. It's called worship. It's called worship. Prayer includes and involves worship. Many of you need to stop praying and start worshiping. Because your prayer sounds like this. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. And God's like, I told you what to do. Shout. Dance. Praise. Get that old nasty garment of heaviness off of you. Watching unto with perseverance. I'm watching. I'm adhering closely. the, The word perseverance means to attend like a servant. You're just watching God and you're watching for God's hand, watching for God's movement, and you watch what God's doing. Listen to this. Prayer is fellowship with God and is, in fact, ministry to God. Let me say that again. Prayer is fellowship with God and is, in fact, ministry to God. It's how you get into the presence of God. We're here today to enter into the presence of God. How many of you want to come in this place and know you're walking into the presence of God this morning? All right. Quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We've got two more portions of Scripture, and then I'm done. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, 1 Timothy 2, 1, that supplications, that's that tying yourself to God, prayers, worship that involves, here's, here's what he's going to explain to you, prayer that involves intercession, you standing in the presence of God in behalf of others, that's what intercession is. 
That's when you stand in the place of ministry uh, to the Lord for the house. Are you with me? I mean, I could take an hour and spin on every one of these. Now, and, everybody say and. And giving of thanks. What is giving of thanks? Giving of thanks. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And you see what we're doing when we come in, we're, we're, we're making supplication, prayer, intercession, giving of thanks. Why? Because we, rep, we, we realize that as we praise God and we inter- entertain the presence of God, we're fulfilling what Psalm uh, 22.3, I gave it to you here because you've heard this quoted millions of times, but I don't know if any of you have ever really actually seen this with your eyes. It says this, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. In, in the in, uh, New American Standard, listen to this. It says, yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know what happens when you start praising God? You are building God a throne. And God enthrones himself on your praise. That's why when you start praising God, even in the midst of here you are in all kinds of opposition. The devil's out to get you, but you decide, I, I, I'm not getting my eyes on this. Lord, I come into this place to worship you. And as you begin to worship God and you begin to praise God, you begin to thank God for all he's done. You rehearse what God has done in your life. How many of you, God, God's done some things in your life? How many of you can take a few minutes and just say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for reaching way down for me. Thank you, Lord, for touching my family. Thank you for the shoes on my feet and the roof over my head. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy that just keeps following me all the days of my life. You start thanking God, and all of a sudden, things start begin to lift off of you. And you start then realizing, man, God did all of that because of who he is. God, you're worthy. You're holy. I don't just praise you for what you've done. I praise you for who you are. You're God Almighty. You're the Lord of glory. You're the Lord of power, full of wisdom, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You build God a throne like that, and guess what? God's going to come down and sit on it. That's what the church needs. Listen, that's what the world needs. We're not coming to church to just singing a couple of songs as a tribute to God. I want the presence of God real and thick. I want the power of God to fill this place where people walk out and go, wow, that was amazing. Why? Because God showed up. And the the places he shows up is where people are building him a throne. I went to a first church of the refrigerator once. I didn't like it. And I don't think God did either because he wasn't nowhere around it. It had stained glass windows. It had a a $50,000 organ. And God was like, yeah, I'm out too. Because he wasn't the center of any of it. It was religious. It was it was ritual. It was, it was just absent of the presence of God. And here we are. We, we have this opportunity today to come into the presence of God. And when you do and you host God's presence, God shows up, right? Acts 13, 1. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and si- Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. <laughs> Who had been brought up with Herod the Lord, or I'm sorry, Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord, underline that, while they were what? While they were ministering to the Lord, while they were ministering to the Lord, while they were ministering to the Lord, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, ooh, let's skip that one. While they were ministering to the Lord, while they were ministering to the Lord, in February, and ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, everybody said, the Holy Spirit said. When you minister to the Lord, the Holy Spirit starts talking. He'll start talking to you. He'll start talking to your circumstances. He'll start talking to your life. He'll start talking the things in you. Here's what he said. 
Set me apart, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I've called them. There, there was men being called into mission, called into destiny, called into purpose. Why? Because they ministered to the Lord. As you minister to the Lord, God begins to call people to their purpose, their destiny, their reason for living. And when they fasted and prayed some more and worshiped some more and prayed some more and worshiped some more, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. And the world was changed because they ministered to the Lord. My God, my God, my God, my God. Can I, give you, can I give you one more portion? Go with me to Acts 16. I want to show you what a move of God looks like. Somebody say, let's see a move of God. How many of you want a move of God? How many of you want a move of God? So in Acts 16, you find Paul coming into Lystra, and he, he meets up with a, a lady called Lydia. Lydia says, it's really interesting when you read it in verses 11 to 15, Lydia says that she was a worshiper of God, yet she was a, a, a heathen, and she wasn't worshiping God, the, the, the Christ, but she, was, she had a heart after God. And when Paul met her, you know, he fulfilled what the Bible says, when you walk into a city, let your peace come upon it. In other words, find that person in that city who has a heart toward God. And boom, he found this heart. She wasn't worshiping God the right way, but he didn't come in and say, you crazy heathen, what are you doing? He came in and he said, man, I sense God on you. And he said, I want to show you the true God. And he preached Jesus to her, and she got saved in all of her house. And then she said, hey, come on in and stay with me. She opened up her house to him. How many of you know when you wait on the Lord and minister to the Lord, God begins to open doors you can't open? Paul gets a place, a station, a place to work from in Lystra, and Lydia becomes a key point in the future of a church and actually is a key player in the establishment of the church in that city. And then he goes on, and if you read down, they're in, this, they're in Philippi, and Paul's preaching, and a demonized young girl is following Paul around. And if you read the story, what she, what she says is true. She says, hey, here's a man of God. These men are preaching the truth. See, demons don't always just tell lies. Sometimes they tell the truth in a bad spirit. And it says Paul let her follow around, and then finally he says, Paul got annoyed. And finally, in his annoyance, he looked over at her and he said, come out of her! And man, she got delivered just like that. That demon came out of her. She got delivered. And, and she was like making her masters a lot of money because of her demonic power, her ability to, to operate in the supernatural. Listen to me. The devil knows how to operate in the supernatural too. And I think we should become so familiar with God's supernatural that we really recognize People are all afraid. Aren't you afraid you're going to get involved in something demonic? No, because God's never going to let his children... My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Paul rebukes her. She gets saved. Then her masters get mad, and they have Paul arrested, and Paul and Barnabas get thrown in jail. And the Bible says in Acts 16 that they laid many stripes on them and then stuck their feet in stocks and kept, them to the, kept their charge to the jailer. And there they were, locked up for delivering a girl, for preaching the gospel. That's what a move of God looks like. When God's moving, the devil is trying to oppose it. When God's moving, the devil's trying to stop it. When God's moving, the devil's trying to distract people from it. And all the while, you would think Paul and Barnabas are like all tore up about it. How many of you know Paul and Barnabas, we're, all okay. we're okay. So I'm going to read one portion here and then we're going to go. Verse 23, Acts 16. After they had been badly beaten and they were put in jail and the jailer was told to guard them carefully, the jailer did as he was told. He put them deep inside the jail. <laughs> That's how the devil works. He puts you deep inside of some kind of bondage and he chained their feet to heavy blocks of wood. I mean, let's spiritualize it. We might as well, right? How many people, how many you know people who are deep in prison? 
in a, in a spiritual prison. They're locked up by drugs and alcohol and abusive relationships. Their life's a mess and they're deep in the dark throes. Their feet are in stocks. They can't seem to make the move out. They can't seem to get free. And they can't seem to find the freedom that they need. And, 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 and here, verse 25, after they've been beat, put deep in the prison, here's how you know these two men are men of God. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Prosukamaya, that's the word. They were worshiping God is what they were doing. They, here, here, you know, because some people are like, oh, oh God, get us out of this prison. That's not what they were doing. Look at what it says. They were singing praises to God while the other prisoners listened. Listen, if you can't join in, just watch and listen. If you don't feel what I feel, just relax. Because if I flow in it, it's contagious. Look at it. They were praying and singing praises. They weren't complaining. They weren't telling God, get us out of here. They weren't saying, oh, God, they beat us. Oh, God, they hurt us. They were praising God. God, you're so good. You're faithful. Here we are, God. I can't wait to see what you do next. That's praise. God, here I am in this place, but God, I'm here by divine appointment. I can't wait to see what comes next. Come on, church. Suddenly, verse 26, a strong earthquake shook the jail and its foundations. The doors opened and chains fell from all the prisoners. All the doors opened. All the chains fell. And when the jailer woke up and saw the doors were open, he thought prisoners had escaped. He pulled out his sword and was about to kill himself because that's what they would do anyway. They would kill him if any of those prisoners escaped. That was how it worked in that day. And Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. No one has escaped, which is crazy right there because if you're a prisoner and the door's open, you're running. But the presence of God was so rich, so real in that place, nobody moved. I can't, I, 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 listen, I keep expecting God to show up in here some morning and nobody can go to the bathroom. That'd be a miracle. Wow. <laughs> the weighty presence of God showed up and Paul said, don't kill yourself. Don't do it. We're all here. We're all present and accounted for. Nobody's run. The presence of God was there. And, 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 and the, prison, the prison guard was so overwhelmed. He was shaking all over as he knelt down in front of Paul and Silas. And after he led them out of jail, he asked, what must I do to be saved? See, that's how you know, too, you're in the presence of God because everything not saved is running to God, not away. People are saying, how do I get this? How do I get this salvation? Paul led him in his house and took him out and baptized him. They kicked him out of jail, and Paul established a church in that city. I imagine that guard, I don't know this, this is just me thinking. I imagine that guy was the leader in that church, and his family were carrying the, the, the presence of God because of what happened in a jail cell when two men fulfilled their obligation, and they ministered unto God. And when they ministered unto God, something was released out of them, and everybody got set free. And that's what we're to, that's what we're to do as the church. This isn't just about singing nice songs. It's not just about singing songs that we, we, we like the words to and we like the melody to. We're going into the presence of God. We're courting Jehovah God and we're calling on him to come into our presence as we come into your presence. And God set everyone free, set the captive free, set that man free who's bound by his sin, set that woman free, set that young person free from suicide suicidal thoughts and negative ideas. Set those people free, God, who are struggling. Set them free. Set them free. Set them free. Stand to your feet. Come on. 
Hallelujah. You see, you can tell by the day we're living in, the devil is not playing around. You say, what's it going to take? What's it going to take, Pastor Mike? Look at what took place yesterday in, in, in Charlottesville. What we need in our cities is the presence of God to roll in. So the devil and all of his imps have to pull out. What we need is to worship God and, and, and call on God until the visible, weighty presence of God rolls out of this place, through these streets, out through this city, and it grips an entire region where people say, how do I find this? tell you, you can't talk people out of their racism, their sins, their addiction, their bondage. The only thing can happen is Jesus changed their life. And the church is in a perfect opportunity right now. If we'll just stop thinking what they need is church. My God, we've given people church and church and given them more church. We've given our young people church and more church and more church. How about we give them the presence of God and more God and more God and more God? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord and to behold the beauty of God in his temple and to inquire of him, God, what do you want for us today? I'm calling you today to minister to God. I'm not calling you to come volunteer for some ministry because what's gonna happen to you is if you get in the presence of God, God is gonna put you in alignment, God's gonna put you in agreement, and then he can release into you his assignment.